Area 10 Faith Community meets in the historic Bird Theater in Carytown in Richmond, Virginia. Due to CDC recommendations, we are live streaming our services until further notice. You can join us online at 11 o'clock a.m. on Sunday mornings on our YouTube channel by searching for A10 Sunday Morning, or you can watch this last week's message at area10church.com. For more information, you can visit area10church.com slash now to learn more about what is happening at Area 10 Church right now. We hope to see you back at the Bird Theater again soon. Hey, everybody. Good morning. I hope you are doing well in your uh, home today. It's good to be with you, even if it's just in this sort of virtual way. Uh, we want to do something different for, these, for this series and for these messages that we're streaming. We want to be a little more interactive. This is something we had wanted to try on a Sunday morning at the Bird as well coming up, but we want to try it here. So what we want to do is I'm going to shorten the message a little bit, and I want to give time for some Q&A for you to be able to ask questions about the message, about what we're talking about. So as you think of questions, on the YouTube feed that you're, that you're using right now. Um, look there and, and in the chat box, just write some questions that you have. We'll take some of the questions and then a little later on in the, in this, in the, in the time this morning, I will come back and, and try to answer some of your questions live with some of the questions that come in. So be thinking of questions as we're going along here. Um, it has been very interesting over the last couple of weeks to watch the reactions that people have had to the forced, like, stay home or, or, or be at home, uh, stay inside more, don't go to work, that kind of thing. Uh, it's, it's been really interesting because you, you have your extroverts who are, like, shriveling away and suffering right now, and then you have your introverts who are like, this is my jam. Like, I've, I've been waiting for the world to kind of catch up with me on this. Uh, I saw a funny headline on Babylon B about two weeks ago. It said, nation's nerds wake up to utopia where uh, sports are canceled, everyone stays inside, and social interaction is forbidden. And I thought, yeah, that's, that's fantastic. Like, it, the people I've really thought about during this are like the huggers and the non-huggers, because the huggers, this is like, what, what can I do? This, you, know the, you know the like bring it in guy? You're like, come on, bring it in. Like that guy's struggling right now and you need to call and check on him. Uh, but the non-huggers have got to be like, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened. Like everyone, everyone will just finally uh, leave me alone. Um, but I thought about it and, and the truth is all of us have periods where we have to be alone and, and we don't like it. And all of us get stretches of life when we, when we are alone. Um, I, I guess if you have toddlers, you're never alone, uh, but, and, and you're finding that out this week for sure. Uh, but, but for all of us, we get these, these stretches where we're, we feel alone, and something about that doesn't feel right to us. Um, our, our, where the Bird Theater is located and my neighborhood, I live right near the Bird, uh, is the 5th District in Richmond. And there was a big city council, they were running for city council back in the fall, and Stephanie Lynch, who ended up winning and is, and is our representative in city council here, uh, she was running, and one of the things she did when she was running was go door-to-door through the neighborhoods and talk to people, and she went through my neighborhood specifically, and I asked her about it, I saw her in, in a coffee shop, and I said, hey, what did you learn by walking through my neighborhood? And her answer was really interesting to me. She said, oh, Chris, um, she said, we have a loneliness epidemic in this country, uh, people feel really alone. And I was like, oh, like, what did you see? And she said, oh, I, I would go to these doors and, and sometimes I'd talk to people who hadn't talked to anybody in weeks. And I said, who's lonely? Like demographics, who, who are the most lonely people you saw? And she said, I would say first, it was the elderly. And second, uh, men is what I saw are, are lonely. 
And uh, this resonated with me. I, I thought, man, she's onto something there, and, and there really is something going on in our culture. So before we were told to keep our social distance, that was happening for people, uh, for many people, it was for, for decades. And I know we have all the tools in the world, we have all the possibility for digital connection and FaceTime and all of these things, but actual FaceTime of face-to-face um, has, has been lacking, and people feel relationally alone. I think people aren't just feeling relationally alone. I think historically we've sort of felt cosmically alone. We kind of look around at the universe and we have tools for that. We have telescopes that can look out into the farthest reaches of the universe and we can see that the universe is massive and there's so many things out there, galaxies and, and, and other planets and moons and stars and quasars and black holes and all that stuff. I mean, you can geek out on all of that. And if you've got some free time right now, you might want to geek out on all of that. It's amazing what's out there in the universe. But what we see whenever we look out there, we're looking for any sign of life. We're looking for, is there an animal or a tree or another human-like population? Or is there a blade of grass or a heartbeat or anything? And, and what we're seeing for as long as we've been studying it is there's nothing out there. We're alone. And so not only are we sort of relationally alone sometimes in our houses, we're feeling cosmically alone and, and we're not seeing anything. And, and when bad things happen, that's when you want to know that you're not alone. And historically, humanity's always done this. We've said like, oh, you know, a, a volcano erupts and levels the city or a tsunami hits or a pandemic strikes and we're quarantined or, or you know, these, these horrible things, a, a school shooter opens up and, and, and kills people, like these horrible things happen. And in that moment, we wanna shake our fists at the sky and blame someone up there for something and we go, why did you allow this to happen? And it's weird, we'll do that even if we don't believe in God. We'll, we'll shake our fist at the sky because we, we think someone needs to be responsible for, for what, what we've just seen and what we've experienced. Uh, C.S. Lewis uh, explained that earlier in his life he was a, an atheist, and during his atheist phase he said, I was angry at God for not existing. And I thought that's a really weird way of, a worldview, you know, it's a weird way of thinking about it. I'm angry at God for not existing. Um, but it's, it rings true, I think, for a, lo a lot of people. There's this frustration inside of us. What if it's true that we are cosmically quarantined? What if we are just like, it's just us on this little planet in the entire universe, and that's just it, and we're here for a few decades, each one of us, and then we're gonna be gone, and eventually we will be remembered no more. It's kind of a depressing thought. And into that world, into the struggle of, of, of humanity, of are we alone, uh, into that world walks Jesus. This guy uh, enters the world at about in the year about five BC, and um, and he changes things. Um, everything about him was different. He wasn't like everyone else. He talked differently. He reacted differently. He he told people some different things, and 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 people were blown away by this guy, Jesus. Um, and, and ever since he was here 2,000 years ago, we have been fascinated by him. Humanity has been really obsessed with him. And so for the next five weeks, what we want to talk about as a church is that, is, is that Jesus came and took on flesh. It was God in the flesh taking on a human heartbeat and becoming one of us. 
And we want to look at some different things about Jesus' life leading up to the cross and leading to the resurrection, Easter, and even beyond that. We want to look at kind of just some quick hits through Jesus' life to say, like, what was he about um, and what does it really mean that, that God took on a heartbeat, that God, that we see some signs of life in the universe, that, that we're to find out that we're, we're not actually uh, alone. And, and hopefully in this series, we can reorient our own hearts towards the things that matter to God. And I hope with this sort of forced downtime that we have, this will be a good opportunity to, to kind of check in and go, okay, what do I really believe? And, and what do I believe about Jesus? And, and, and use this as an opportunity to get right with him. If you think back to it, the story of humanity has been a story of connection to God and then disconnection. So if you go all the way back to Genesis, we read about Adam and Eve and, and the, the first people that God puts on earth and he breathes his spirit into them. And so the, here's these people with this higher level mental capacity who have the soul, God's spirit breathes into them and um, they walk with God. It is paradise. Things are good. The weather's good. Everything is perfect. Adam and Eve are getting along. They love each other because when God first saw Adam, his comment was, this is not good that man's alone. There's a loneliness piece there. And he goes, man is gonna need someone. So he creates Eve and so they're together and, and things are really great. They have each other and they have God. All the angst we ever feel about, is God there and I wanna shake my fist the sky. Adam and Eve don't have that. If they want to talk to God, they're just like, hey God, and God's like, what? And then they just answer, and it's like a close relationship. And it's so different than what, than what we feel when we think about being connected to God or when we want to talk to God. But then they mess up, and they sin, and that sin creates a separation between God and man. And they get kicked out of the Garden of Eden, and, and then you see this long struggle of humanity, of, of frustration and pain and hurting each other, and it just kind of goes on from that time on. And, and all throughout the Old Testament, you see people longing for God and God trying to reveal himself to his people in a way that will make sense to them. So God sets up, sets up the temple. He sets up this building where people can go meet with him. So it used to be you could be with God in paradise all the time, now, there was this building, the temple, and there was this most holy place within the temple, and the Israelites could go meet with God. They, now, it wasn't like every day. You couldn't just barge in there. It was once a year the priest could go in there, but the people could come there and be close and worship God and, and be near him. This is so different than the rest of the ancient world. The, the Roman gods and the Greek gods and the Egyptian gods, the, all, of that, all of that stuff is like, oh, God is just someone far away in some other plane of existence. And in this, in, 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 the, in the Jewish uh, worldview, God was showing up and meeting them there in, in a place. Now that was good, it's not perfect, but it was, it was good, at least they had somewhere to go when they had their frustration, when they, when they had their angst, they, they knew that they could in some way go, go meet with God. And they didn't necessarily have to wonder if God cares, although they did start to wonder that. Um, because in their history, in, in 586 BC, Jerusalem gets attacked and the temple gets destroyed. And the Israelites are carried off to exile to places like Babylon and Persia. So what do you do if your meeting with God happens in this one building and that building is now destroyed? It's like an existential crisis for a whole nation of people. They, they were with God, they did have a relationship with him, they were able to be close to him, but they can't do it anymore because that, that place is no longer there. 
And so while they're in exile, while they're living in another country, all the, all the Israelites are sitting there wondering, does God care? Is he fair? Is he even there? Does he even notice us? I've heard stories about how he used to care, how he used to be with us. I don't believe it. It doesn't take long, maybe a few years, a few decades, a few generations, and you stop believing in God at all. You just think he doesn't care about you. And so they end up rebuilding the temple around 400 BC, and, uh, but God goes quiet. God goes silent, doesn't speak through the prophets anymore. God goes quiet for about 400 years. And then in the year 5 BC, roughly, uh, Jesus is born in Bethlehem. And in that moment, God shows up. So if God was with them in the Garden of Eden, he was for them in the Old Testament. He was for the people and, and, and cheering them on and trying to lead them, but, but there was some distance there. And then at the beginning of the New Testament, Jesus shows up in 5 BC, and we see God is with us. That's how Jesus is described as God with us. He has taken on skin. He has, he has gotten a heartbeat, and we see these signs of life there that, okay, God really does see us and know us, um, and, and, he's, and he's with us. Now, may, I know that's kind of a historical story, but maybe you can relate to some of that. Maybe you can relate to the idea that you wonder if God cares, that you wonder if he's there, that you wonder if, he, if he's fair, if he, if he hears your prayers. You, you, you wonder these things, especially when hard stuff happens, when, when someone dies, when someone leaves, when you lose that job, when the economy is uncertain, when there's a global pandemic. It's, it's easy to wonder, is God there? Does he care? Is he fair? Is, is he noticing this? Because I'm struggling over here and I just want to shake my fist at the sky and complain and I just don't know if it's getting anywhere. Well, Jesus shows up and four gospel writers write about it. The book of John writes about it in a very different way though. He, John doesn't tell the story of Mary and Joseph and the shepherds and the angels. Uh, John gets a lot more philosophical about what it means that Jesus showed up. Listen to the way he opens his book. John chapter one, verse one. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him was not anything that made that was made. In him was life and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. When John introduces Jesus, he doesn't do shepherds and wise men. John says, here's who showed up. He's the word. Now, the word for word is logos in Greek, and it's where we get our word logic, but it has a higher meaning than that. It's logic, yes, but it's also like reason and purpose. And so it is this sort of philosophical idea that when Jesus shows up, he's the reason for all of this. He's the meaning behind life. He's the logic that makes sense of all of this. Uh, that's what John is introducing. That's how John introduces Jesus. And then down in verse 14, he says this, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. The word gets a heartbeat. The, the, the God in heaven becomes one of us and takes on flesh, skin and bone and, and blood and all of that. And, and it lives and he lives among us. Um, and that's a, that's a powerful thing and it's a powerful way that God moves from this man behind the curtain in a sense to, to, be right, to being right here, uh, one of us and being with us. Now that teaches us a lot of things. I'll just give you two quick ones and then we're done. Um, there's a lot we can get out of that. Number one, I think, is this. The incarnation of Jesus, him becoming flesh, teaches us that we're not alone. 
we are not alone. Israel needed that. They needed to know that if God seems to go quiet, he's not quiet, he's, he's still there. Um, and, and, and it's so easy when God goes quiet to assume that he isn't there. And we need to be reminded of that. And maybe you especially need to be reminded of that today. God's silence does not equal God's absence. Just because he's quiet right now doesn't mean he's not there. And that's hard when a family member gets sick. It's hard when a spouse leaves. It's hard when you lose a job. It's hard when you're quarantined. It's easy to think that God isn't there. The economy tanks. The reti- your retirement account shrivels up and disappears. People get sick. There's, uh, your business is, who knows what's going to happen to that. The schools close. You have no idea how you're going to pay bills. It's easy to think God is ignoring all of that and that he doesn't care or he doesn't see it. And we need reminders regularly that Jesus walked this earth and that God has been here and he is with us uh, now. It's easy to go to this mental place of worry, especially now, 2,000 years later after Jesus walked the earth, it's easy to forget that it really happened um, and and forget the miracle of all of that. So I think on on sort of a cosmic sense, Jesus coming to earth uh, reminds us that we're not alone. And the second thing it reminds us of is this. We have a purpose. We have a purpose. Jesus taught us about life, about kind of from an owner's perspective, from the creator of us. He taught us about how we're supposed to function, how we should live, um, what we're supposed to be about. And um, that's, that's, really, that's really powerful. He points us to the stuff that matters. And this is really huge in the history of the world. Um, purpose in life might not come naturally to us. You, you wouldn't look at all of your neighbors, if you just pick any citizen out of any culture in the history of the world, you would not look around and assume God and Jesus, like you wouldn't assume all that. What, what you would look around and see naturally is that people are born, they live, they have some struggle, and then they die. That seems to be the cycle of life. Some people get by a little better, they get the, the nice house on the hill, and some people are going to have it a little worse, they're going to be in the slums, but all, all, all told, this is life, the life cycle. That's very natural. We would not conclude from that that there's any higher purpose or meaning to life, but when Jesus shows up, and he dies, and we'll get to this on Easter, but he dies and comes back from the dead, what we see is, oh wait, there is a purpose. Oh wait, there is more to this. This is not the end of the thing. All the periods turn into commas. All of our failures are not final. This is what we we learn from Jesus uh, and the resurrection. The whole world takes on new meaning. Our relationships with each other matter more because they're eternal. Our care for the sick matters more because these are people created in the image of God and we're sure of that and we want to care for people. Uh, That that stuff matters. Um, How we live now sets us up for the life that is to come and it gives long-range perspective, the 30,000-foot view on our lives and it lets us know that we we have a purpose and we have hope. And that kind of hope that we get as followers of Jesus matters even more in a time of crisis. Um, my prayer, I, I don't know how you've, what you've been praying about, my prayer for the coronavirus situation that we're in uh, has been that, that for non-Christians, for people who are, maybe are not connected to God through Jesus, that this would be a moment to wake up, to, to, to examine deeper realities of life. 
So much of our life is on this treadmill of like success and achievement and, and make and make more and, and bigger, better, more, that kind of thing. And my prayer has been, man, I hope this goes on to the point that people will wake up and go, wait, there's something, there's something more to life. All the things that I've been leaning on to hold me up, they don't hold me up anymore. I, I counted on money, I counted on career, I counted on health, I counted all these things, and, and maybe those things aren't as reliable as we thought. And so my prayer is that this is partly a wake-up call, but also I think for followers of Jesus, my prayer is that um, this, this thing drives us further into the arms of God, that we would lean on him more in this time, that we would, we would be people of hope, Practically, this means we would, we would actually lean into our spiritual disciplines. Um, we, would, we would read the scripture that we always say, oh, I'm just so busy, I don't have time. Well, maybe you have the time now. Let's, let's do it. That we would read the scripture, that we would pray, that we would fast, that we would talk to our families about God, that we would talk to people about the things that matter. This, that we would continue to give, that we would be generous people, that we would be looking for ways to be generous people. There, there's... Um, you know, it, it's, it's easy to sort of bunker in and say, I'm just gonna take care of me, but that, but that we as followers of Jesus would be the people who are reaching out to our neighbors and saying, how can I help? Um, what, what do you need? Um, the daily habits that we should have as followers of Jesus, this is the time that they matter even more. This is why you dig your well deep in the good days so that when the hard days come, you're, you're, you're ready for it. Um, Arthur C. Clarke, the writer, uh, in, in looking at the, the emptiness of the universe, he, he said this. He said, two possibilities exist. Either we are alone in the universe or we are not. Both are equally terrifying. And I want to suggest that there's this other option, that we're not alone, that the birth of Jesus and the incarnation of Jesus, him becoming flesh and walking this earth is lets us know that we're not alone and that's actually not terrifying that's actually a great thing that there's a loving god and creator who sees us and 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 has taken steps towards us when we felt alone and then mother Teresa uh says this the most terrible poverty is loneliness and the feeling of being unloved and i think ultimately we know that we're not unloved and that we're not alone now, we've got work to do relationally, right? Like cosmically, I think God's showing up, lets us know we're not alone, but we have some work to do relationally so that we can connect with one another. And, and this is what the body of Christ should be about and, and should be best at. The world was looking for a sign of life and God showed up as a baby, a baby with a heartbeat. And he took on flesh and that matters today. It, and I think it matters even more today. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for the incarnation that, um, that you've been on flesh, that you have become one of us to show us that there's a, a different way forward, that, uh, that life has meaning and purpose and, and, and that there's other things that we can be about. Um, God, for everyone right now who's struggling, who's probably a little stir crazy, who's um, just... Uh, got a lot of anxiety about what the future holds because there's so much uncertainty. God, may you be peace and comfort to us. May we be the people who, the, the people who claim you, may we live that out and, and live it in our daily lives. Um, 
Thank you, God, for um, watching over us and, and for not being distant and aloof, but being involved and engaged in our lives. Uh, guide us as we, as we walk through this over the next weeks and months. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, just want to wrap up with a, a few questions that you guys asked, and I, I th- thank you for, for doing that and, and sort of jumping in online with us. We want to be certainly as interactive, interactive as we can be. Um, so I, I'm not going to get to all of them, but let me just do a couple of them here because uh, I think there's some, some good questions that are being asked. Um, first of all, uh, how do you answer a skeptic who says, how can God allow for disease and death if he's all-powerful? Um, this reminds me of uh, Sandy Hook in 2012, I think it was, uh, after that school shooting. Um, a, a friend of mine from high school who's um, sort of an atheist, uh, like, science fiction writer, uh, and he, uh, he, he basically said online, he said, um, why does anyone believe in God? If God is good, then why did he allow this tragedy to happen? If, if, if he's not good, then why would you worship him or why would you be into him? If he doesn't have enough power to stop this tragedy from happening, what, why would you be into him at all? Um, and uh, in, in some ways that question, really you can find that question like, a couple thousand years ago. Like that, that of various forms of that question have been asked for millennia um, and it's hard. And so right here in the next minute, I'm gonna give you the definitive answer to the to millennia old question. No, it's just like, okay, it, it's difficult. Um, I, I, where I've always gone with that question is one, is that, a, is that a, an actual intellectual philosophical question or, or is it really an emotional question of like, you're just really disappointed in something. And so I could give you an intellectual answer, but will that, will that actually speak to where it hurts? Um, for me, and pain that I've navigated in my life and, and seen the stuff that you've all seen of sort of on the global scale of, of awful things, um, I, where I go with that is that God um, is not too powerful not to stop it. It's not like he couldn't stop things, uh, but he allows things to happen. Um, he, uh, he, he sort of, at times we'll, we'll, we'll pull back and allow some things to play out. And, and most of the horrible things that happen are the result of humanity and their free will doing horrible things uh, and, and uh, treating each other and treating the world poorly. Uh, I think that, that there's a lot that, that falls in that category. And so for, for me, I've, I've often said, man, what, it, what if, isn't it possible that God could just have a higher purpose for some of these things? And it, it's, such a, it's such a situation where we're looking at the tapestry from the back. If you see a tapestry hung on the wall or something like that, it looks beautiful on one side. But we're, if you look on the back of it, it's just a bunch of string going in all different directions and all different colors, and it makes no sense. And, and, and I wonder if a lot of this that we experience is we're just looking at life from the back of the tapestry. And maybe, maybe when we die and we're with him, these things will be clearer. Um, but yeah, that's, that's certainly a hard one. And so I, I, I kind of always go to the space of, you know, maybe God allows things for a purpose that we don't, fully understand, and that's, and that's okay. Um, all right, so second one, what are some tips for overcoming the feeling that we are alone and God is not there? Um, yeah, that's really hard, and sometimes that, that question can be very personal. The question is, uh, tips to overcome a feeling, um, and I, I get that. I think where I go with, with feelings is, is God gave us feelings for a reason, and they're important and there are lights on the dashboard that let us know something's going on that we should be paying attention to. And the way we navigate feelings, I think, is you have to speak and think 
well, and you have to you have to speak to your feelings. You have to speak truth to your feelings, because feelings are going to come and go, ebb and flow. Uh, you have to speak to them and say, no, this is what is actually true. This is how I feel right now. Let's be real about it. I'm feeling alone. I'm feeling, but what is actually true? And so from the message today, I think one thing is true that is cosmically, cosmically we are not alone, that God sees us and is with us and, and has proven that. But I think this is where it's really valuable to read the scripture and read other good uh, books. This is where it's valuable to uh, pray where it's valuable to listen to the truth of like the songs that we sing, to have those words in your heart and your mind, because that is speaking truth to your mind that will help you in the moments when you're not feeling it, when you're not feeling motivated, when you're not feeling connected. Um, and then maybe, maybe get out in nature, whatever quarantine it, that they talk about, people are still going to parks and, and whatever. And sometimes just being in awe of God's creation can remind you of the truth that he sees you, that he that he's there. Um, so yeah, that's a um, that's a hard question. I would love to like it, when they allow us to have coffee with people again. I'd love to I'd love to just have a conversation about that because uh, there there's there's a lot there. But I think we have to speak, use our minds to speak truth to our feelings. Um, uh, a, a lot of other stuff here. Um, what are how can we identify and best reach out to those who might be lonely? Um, man, that's, that's tough. Uh, a lot of people use the approach of, um, hey, if anybody needs anything, I'll, I'm here. Um, which is, is sort of like sending a, uh, an email that you CC'd about 80 people on and ask them to do something. Uh, you, you know what that's like. You know that like everyone else assumes that's for somebody else and no one does it. So that's a very, that's a very passive way. Um, and, I, and I understand that. I, I think we have to look for some active ways. So passive ways, like we're, we're in, in some sense, we're, um, got, we're doing this right now. Uh, I'll, I'll post a message midweek that I'll shoot from my phone or something like that, and we'll, we'll post something midweek as a sort of a check-in. Um, those are passive things. You can watch them or not, but we're trying to be more active as well as a church to call people and just get a phone tree and just start working through the elders and I met this week virtually, of course, and, uh, and uh, we, we start working through a phone tree of just calling people and different people on staff and, and all that are kind of checking in. Small groups are meeting virtually. We're doing what we can to be more active. And I, and I think um, we, we, we got to, you know, reach out. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's hard to identify people who are unwilling to self-identify, right? So <laughs> to say I'm struggling. Uh, and so maybe what I'm hopeful for is that even better connection is going to come out of this whole thing because because we're uh, because we're we're doing that. Um, there's a question about is you know uh, uh, is this God's way of forcing us back together as as people? That's an interesting idea, and you do see us um, God bringing people together, or in some case like Tower of Babel, you go to the Old Testament, you see some separation going on. Um, I don't know uh, for sure the answer to that. Um, I'm, I'm sort of open to like, what is the Lord doing in this? And I, and I hope you are too. Um, I'm trying to think deeply about what, what, what is the meaning of this time and what can we make of it and what are we going to learn from it? Um, you know, if, if, if people go into quarantine and they come out with, I don't know, six pack abs or something, I'm like, cool. 
uh, was, that, was that the best we could have got out of this? Or is, there, or is there more? Is there something better that God has for us? And so maybe this is a way of bringing people together. I know the criticism of the church in the West, in America in particular, for the longest time has been, oh, the church is just a show and it's just, you know, um, about money and about all these other things, you know? And it's like, okay, we'll take the show away then. What are we? Um, what, who are we at home? And I think it's great that we've leaned into Core 52 this year. We've leaned into prayer together as a community. We've leaned into fasting. And there will be more of that throughout the year because um, my, my, my wife, Abby, reminded me, um, if your faith doesn't work at home, then your faith doesn't work. And so uh, this is an opportunity to shore that up and to say, you know what? My faith works at home. Um, and it, it is who I am, and I'm not doing any of this for show because there's no audience, which is really exactly what Jesus is talking about in our, in our acts of righteousness in Matthew 6, is to do these things as if there's no audience, and so, hey, what if there's no audience? Let's, uh, let's, let's learn how to live out our faith that way. A um, couple other questions were sort of practical questions about uh, needs in the community. The best thing I can point you to is area10church.com slash now. Uh, all the stuff that we've got is posted there. Um, what we're gonna do about, uh, if we're gonna do Rise Richmond and, and, and that kind of thing, that's gonna be posted there. If we're going to do uh, how small groups are gonna work, if you have a need, there's a form you can sign up for right there. If you have a prayer request, there's something you can sign up right there. If you wanna be on the response team to reach out to people, you can sign up there. So that's, that's where we're driving people is to that spot online. Um, so that we can um, make sure that we're checking in with the needs and, and that it's um, working and that, that, that's all kind of working well. That's, that's the best I've got for you. I don't know when we'll be back in the bird I, um, or when they'll be open. Uh, I talk to them a lot um, to just kind of check in with them, but we're, we're, doing, we're doing what we can and, and trying to make the most of this time. Um, some of you have, have asked me, uh, this week about giving and the church financial. Um, a lot of our church gives online and has done so for years. If you have not done that, if you can do that, that's a huge help to us. Um, and I think that would be a, a, a really helpful to help us stay consistent. Um, I've already talked to our landlord and our mortgage and uh, with our mortgage company and all that. We're having all those conversations. Basically, nobody knows what's going to happen <laughs> like with, with those sorts of things, like how is everybody paying their bills and stuff. But it, it, any online giving you can do through our website uh, to be consistent with that is, is a huge help for us to be able to plan well. Um, well, thank you for joining us this morning. Uh, we're taking this week by week and, and seeing what we can do. Um, I hope you had a good time. Burkle mentioned that you, maybe you're in your living room in your PJs. Um, maybe you are, but it's 11 o'clock. You should probably get dressed. I don't know. That's my, that's my thought is like, come on, take a shower or something. I don't know. Like there's, the, we, got it, we got a day to live. There's, uh, it's, it might actually turn out to be a nice day. So if I, we'll be outside. One thing you can do is, is um, in this loneliness time, an active thing is to reach out to your neighbors. Uh, we posted a letter that you could put on your neighbor's door. I'm actually going out today and printing a bunch of copies of that letter my version of it. I'm going to put it on my neighbor's door and I'm going to say, hey, contact me if you need anything. Well, a bunch of my neighbors are about to have my phone number, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, but I, that's what I'm trying to do with my immediate neighborhood. And there's an example of that on the website as well, area10church.com slash now, and you can get that and, and maybe do that to be more active in reaching out to your neighbors. Um, thanks for joining us. We will uh, con continue on and uh, we're, we're excited to see what, what God does through all of this. And uh, so... Yeah, reach out to friends and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll catch up with you soon. Let's, let's pray to close this whole thing out. 
Lord Jesus, thank you for this morning, for the gathering of your saints, even if we're gathering in computers and are all around the world. Um, we're amazed by the technology, amazed at what could happen that wouldn't have been able to happen five or 10 years ago. And so God, we see this as an incredible opportunity to listen to you more, to um, make our heart align with your heart. And, and really so that by the end of this, God, may we be people whose hearts beat with, with your heartbeat. Um, God, help us to be active in the way we reach out, just uh, checking in on people, phone calls, old, good old-fashioned phone trees, checking on our neighbors, um, that kind of stuff. I, I pray that we're, we maybe rediscover some of that stuff that we've been so busy and hurried and are missing in this digital age. Um, God, thank you for this body, for this community that has a big heart for each other and for this city. May we continue to serve it well so that it is transformed and that more people through this come to know you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Go in peace, guys.